With spring right around the corner, maybe you like me, you're excited to get out for longer walks and runs, pick up a new book to read outside, or just get out and explore new neighborhoods and food. Or we could do all three wrapped in one. Our friends over at Read and Run Chicago are expanding to nearby Lamont for three different meetups. The group is like a combination running club, book club, and neighborhood tour, and each route in Lamont is about three miles paired with a different book from Pat Camaliere's Corotazi Historical Mystery Series. Afterwards, you'll get to sit down with the author and historian and sample some food from local restaurants. The first run is Saturday, March 23rd. Spots are limited and are going to go fast. So register now at readandrunchicago.com or find the link on their Instagram at readandrunchicago. Today on City Cash Chicago. Will the mayor renew or reject the city's contract with ShotSpotter? How do referenda work in Chicago? And where are the most and least romantic spots this Valentine's Day? Executive producer Simone Alisea is here with me to break it all down. It's Tuesday, February 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Good morning, Simone. How you feeling? I'm good, Jacoby. How are you? I'm doing well. Obviously, we recorded this on Monday. So how was your Super Bowl Sunday? Um, I had to look up who won this morning. I will be <laughs> honest. I didn't know when I woke up. It was I I, I was funny because like I ended up at a bar um right when the game began, just sort of wasn't really planning on it. And so I mm-hmm. caught uh I caught Post Malone, I caught Reba. Um, and like the first turnover and then we'd finished our drinks and pretzel bites. So then we left. <laughs> and then you checked out. I'm not going to lie. I was locked in the whole time. I hosted people, um, over at my house and my favorite part though was during the halftime show when Usher started skating as I predicted. It wasn't like a, a hard prediction. He's been skating at the residency now for a year and a half, but I eagle eye spotted two notable Chicago roller skaters out there with Usher. Two of my friends, people I grew up with at Ridge City, including Bobby West, who was like a five-year-old when my parents and grandparents started running Ridge City, and Sidney Blaylock, who I started skating with when I was maybe 14, 15 years old, and we skated and have skated now for, for over 15 years together. So shout out to my homies. There was some Chicago representation, even though we weren't on the field. Uh, we was out there on roller skates because, you know, if you're going to do roller skating for the world, there's, there's got to be some Chicago skaters in there. And, you know, shout out to Usher for knowing that and representing. Starting off today's conversation, Simone, we're talking about something we've been talking about throughout our years here at CityCast, and that's the sort of will they, won't they momentum between the city and ShotSpotter. Uh, for CityCast listeners who might not be familiar, ShotSpotter, which has been renamed Sound Thinking, is a gunshot detection technology, and Chicago has been a client of theirs since 2017. The contract has been renewed twice throughout those years for a total of close to $50 million. Uh, and the current contract, which is highly controversial, is set to expire this Friday, February 16th. Mayor Johnson campaigned against ShotSpotter. I don't know. This, I think, Maybe I my recollection is different. This might have been the thing he one of the things he most strongly campaigned against throughout his run for mayor. 
But since taking over the fifth floor, it sort of pulled back his tone of, again, will he, won't he reject or renew the conversation uh, with shot spotter Simone? Um, there was a meeting last Thursday in Auburn Gresham at St. Sabina Church. Uh, w- w- what came out of that meeting? I mean, I think exactly what you said is this sort of just this controversy and sort of the 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 crux of the issue that Johnson is facing as mayor. Um, critics of there are a lot of critics of ShotSpotter uh, have said that the technology is um, number one. There there are accusations that the technology is straight up inaccurate. That it is mm-hmm. um, you know not actually predicting gunshots where there are gunshots. The other uh, critiques of ShotSpotter are. Uh, you know, that it is inequitable and unfair that the, these microphones that are set up are primarily placed in black and brown neighborhoods that then leads to uh, a larger police presence in those neighborhoods over policing. And sort of we know that CPD has a has a pattern of bias policing and this technology is not helping that case uh, mm-hmm. at all. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, um, you know, the proponents of ShotSpotter and shot and, you know, company officials themselves say that this is a technology that can help police respond more quickly to incidents when they happen. Right. If they know that they're that 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 shots have been fired, they can more easily be and more quickly be deployed. The company has has disputed any claims about uh, the technology being inaccurate. Um, even at this meeting, you had officials from Sound Thinking who were there saying that, uh, you know, a- across all of their clients across the country, because this is a technology that many, many cities use, um, g- claiming that they have a 97% accuracy rate. Although, again, there's sort of varying, re- there's been a lot of reporting over the year and, and sort of a-, a lot of questions on that front. Yeah, I talked to somebody who was at the meeting, um, which again included uh, officials from the city. Um, uh, the president of the Commission for Police Accountability, uh, the new civilian board, um, as well as uh, members of the community, uh, activists and advocates who have pushed back against ShotSpotter throughout the duration of his contract. Um, I, I think one of the things I found fascinating but not unexpected was that you heard from uh individuals who have either survived gun violence themselves or have family members lost to gun violence, sort of speaking up for ShotSpotter, right? And you know, one of the individuals I spoke to said that, you know, you, you see this often sort of, you know, uh, companies sort of, you know, pigeonholing which narratives they choose to to highlight when they want to to prove the efficacy of something. Because they said, you know, they themselves, people in the audience have been people who have been wrongfully detained off of, of, of shot spotter detections. Uh People who say, you know, if somebody has been a victim of gun violence, that the police arrive to those situations, often treating them like they and their families are uh, the assailants in the situation. And so uh, I think what then gets sort of I think one of the reasons the Johnson administration is likely going to wait to the end of the week to rule on this is because with that being said, those people who are in the community say, hey, we want something something that makes us feel, you know, that people are going to be responsive, that if if I myself, you know, am, am a victim of gun violence, that somebody is going uh, to respond to me. But again, the question remains, is, is ShotSpotter, is that what it's doing? Is, is it solving that problem for people? And this is sort of the other question about ShotSpotter that critics bring up is not only the, the sort of baseline accuracy, the inequity issues, but also 
is it actually effective? Is it doing what it says it does? And there has been a lot of reporting, you know, from the city's inspector general. There was a recent report that the Sun-Times obtained from the um, Cook County State's Attorney's Office um, that has basically said, both offices basically saying that these alerts are not necessarily leading to more arrests on gun-related charges. They're not necessarily leading to, you know, solving more crimes. Expensive and it's, inefficient. Right. It's expensive and, and, and inefficient. But you bring up a good point, though, about there's sort of an, a, an element here of people who feel like, well, but it's doing something, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't it? It's a tool that can be used by the police to do something to uh, get some kind of information that maybe they didn't have before. And I think it's that sort of something is better than nothing mentality that that <laughs> I think a lot of supporters uh, have sort of talked about at that meeting. I think Brandon Johnson has two questions to answer here. One is, you know, will he renew or reject the contract with ShotSpotter? But, but if he keeps it or if he leaves it, how will that money be used moving forward? How can he, if he chooses to keep the contract or renew the contract, how does he push back against these reports out of the state's attorney's office, out of the inspector general's office and say, well, this is how we're going to use it moving forward. This is the new mandate. And if he gets rid of it, all right. Well, 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 how will you be using nearly $50 million over the next, you know, few years um, to, to provide more uh, relief for, for those people uh, who live in communities uh, most impacted by gun violence? The contract deadline is up on Friday. We're talking about this on Monday morning. It is entirely possible that we will get off this call and Mayor Johnson will announce a press conference um, to, mm -hmm. to, to say what his decision is. The timing, though, is interesting. You know, I think like five months ago, six months ago, I was very much like, yeah, you can't really say yet if you're if you're going to, you know, you've got this contract in place. You know, you have to hear everybody out. Um, yes, you campaigned on this, but also things change when you when you take office. Now that we're a week out, I think his silence is quite a bit louder. He was not at the meeting. He was not at that meeting in Auburn Gresham. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think there were lots of things that he campaigned on where he took kind of a middle of the road approach or sort of was was it was very clear that he was like looking for a compromise or looking for has it hadn't quite made his decision yet. This is one of those things he said on the campaign trail that was sort of cut and dry, black and white. We will end the mm -hmm. contract with ShotSpotter. Um, and so I think he... Right now, the, the 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 what is it? The chickens have come to roost. Uh, is that yeah. the expression? Right, we're we're here. <laughs> the City of Chicago Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection offers a free entrepreneur certificate program for future and current business owners in Chicago. Participants must complete six webinars within six months in designated webinar categories. Graduates are eligible to apply for the CIBC Bank USA Entrepreneur Loan Program, a bank partner with BACP. The longstanding program was created to support startup or early stage small businesses gain entrepreneur training with important working capital. Since the program launched, more than 1,000 Chicago entrepreneurs and business owners have successfully completed the program. Completing the process is as easy as one, two, three. Number one, register by signing up 
at chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Number two, attend six webinars by registering for upcoming webinars at chicago.gov slash BACP webinars. And number three, graduate from the program and you'll receive your digital certificate and information on connecting with CIBC Bank USA. To learn more about the BACP Entrepreneur Certificate Program, please visit chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. We are a little over a month out from the March primary. And so each week we're going to have a little election corner in our Tuesday conversations. And this week we're talking about the difference between non-binding versus binding referendum, because this is going to be important. Everyone is going to see uh, a referenda question on their ballot. Uh, Simone, can you explain exactly what a referendum is? Yeah. So a referendum is essentially a question about policy. Should the city do X, Y, Z? Um, I think Chicago voters are very used to seeing non-binding referenda on the ballot. Um, We saw this uh, last year uh, where there were questions about um, affordable housing in different wards and in different precincts. Um, This year, some voters on the West and Southwest sides are going to see a question about should Chicago create a new police district? Um, Mm. You know, these non-binding questions are they're essentially polls. They're essentially like, what do you gain a temperature of the neighborhood? Exactly. What do voters think should happen? It doesn't mean the city has to do anything. It doesn't mean anybody has to do anything. Um, But it's another sort of data point that advocates can use that, that politicians can use to say, you know, this has support or this does not have support. Um, Something that I think might be new to Chicagoans this year to a lot of Chicago voters is we have a binding referendum on the ballot in Bring Chicago Home, which, uh, as we've talked about on the show, that is a tax on real estate sales over a million dollars to pay for uh, services for people experiencing homelessness um, and to to pay for new housing as well. And would lower taxes on sales under a million dollars, which is nearly 94 percent of all of the real estate sales uh, in the city. It, it would essentially change the tax structure entirely for this for this real estate transfer tax that already exists, raising it on some transactions and lowering it on others. This is a bind like this is a, a binding question about taxation. This is something that the city council had to vote on in order for it to get on the ballot. And if you vote yes or no, it says that the city of Chicago will or will not adopt this tax. Um the last time that Chicago voters passed a binding referendum was to create the city's board of election commissioners back in 1885. I, I WTTW reported this a while back, and I just like feel like that's a really key point here that that was the last time we actually passed something via like legislation via the ballot. Um, it doesn't happen very often in Chicago that we have these binding questions on our local ballot here. Uh, am I correct? in remembering the sort of push on whether or not Illinois should adopt a graduated income tax. Was that also a ballot referendum? That was a ballot measure, but a statewide measure, right? So it a wasn't, statewide that measure. was a statewide measure just Chicago. that wasn't just Chicago. So, uh, so I just mean city of Chicago voters specifically talking about a city of Chicago issue. I bring that up to, to say it's one of those issues, like a, a referendum, especially when it's binding, is one of those things that you're going to see a lot of campaigning. I've seen commercials. I've seen placards. I've gotten the texts. Right. A lot of money invested on both sides on whether or not um, uh, 
people should vote for this with advocates saying that it will give Chicago a sort of secure and and steady flow of funding for homelessness services with others saying that, you know, it will will discourage real estate investment, people buying major real estate development, investing in office space and the like. Yeah. Which when you think of like Chicago's office vacancy rates, like you can see kind of where the that connection is being made. I think the other thing that's important to note, too, on the Bring Chicago Home referendum is that there is a lawsuit right now uh, being brought by business and real estate interests um, to invalidate this question on the ballot. Um, the the issue here has to do with... Um, <laughs> Uh, we ask too many questions. Well, the issue here, it's it's sort of a there there is actually a law against this. Like you mm-hmm. in Illinois, you are not supposed to be it, politicians, governments cannot um take something that is unpopular and pair it with something that is popular to 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 sort of uh sugarcoat it as a as a pill, right? And so what these uh, business groups are arguing is that the the addition of lowering the real estate transfer tax on properties under a million dollars, um, on sales under a million dollars, that that is sort of unfairly putting two things together in a way that you're not supposed to be able to do. Um, of course, the city, you know, disagrees with this, right? Like that, that it's all the same question because it's all about real estate transfer tax, right? It's all, it's not, it's not like your parent, it's not like you're saying, oh, we're going to lower, you know, the amusement tax to, to, you know, raise this, this real estate transfer tax, right? Um, But, you know, if these groups are successful in their lawsuit, um, even though some folks may have already seen this, if you've early voted, or if you've got a mail-in ballot, you know, that will be a question that will come up, uh, you know, between now and March 19th, if these groups are successful in their in their uh, legal challenge. So I have another question. You know, this is a primary. So for most of these things, we're voting for someone to then be in the the, the bigger election mm-hmm. later in the mm-hmm. year. Is that the same for this referendum that we're voting for this to ultimately end up on our November ballot? Or does this take care of it right now? That is a great question, Jacoby, because no, we are voting on this in March. This will be decided on March 19th, um, at which, you know, I think is really, really key for Chicago voters to, to keep in mind. And another thing that I always point out, too, is even though in the primary you are you're supposed to take a party ballot, right, a, a Democratic par- uh, ballot or a Republican ballot to vote on those candidates. If you know for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can still vote on this referendum by taking a nonpartisan ballot. You can ask for a nonpartisan ballot and you can vote on referenda. Mm-hmm. The city reports nearly 7,000 people currently experiencing homelessness. Advocates say that number can be 10 times that if you're taking into account people who are doubling up on housing or at temporary housing, over 35,000 uh, asylum seekers in Chicago with that number growing. And so, um, you know, that's that's going to you know get a lot of attention over the next month. One more thing before we get out of here with Valentine's Day tomorrow. Uh, Simone and I were kind of going back and forth about, you know, what we think are some of the most and least romantic places in Chicago. Um, And and when I was kind of thinking through uh, sort of my quick list, like a lot of things came to mind. But despite the temperature right now, Chicago obviously has so much access to the lake. And so when it is good outside, when it is nice outside, most of those lakes are overrun with people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think two places that typically throughout the day you might find less and less people are 12th Street Beach Mm. and the small beach behind the South Shore Cultural Center. You might get out there on a Saturday morning and no one is out there. 
Um, and, and it's a great place to sit down, you know, you know, have a nice little picnic, have a nice little, uh, you know, uh, brunch date, um, with, with your, with your individual. And so those are two other places, other places I was thinking of, like, obviously park spaces, like the garden of the Phoenix in Jackson park, ping Tom park, um, with a little canoe action, uh, can be really great. Simone, what's on your most romantic places list? I think I, my brain was also going to outdoors, uh, as well. I think, um, something I was thinking about though, was anything that's like secluded or hidden mm-hmm. or that, right. That like, you can have like a nice little intimate moment without, the sound of the city or like without feeling like it's going to be really crowded. Um, a kind of underrated spot that I really like is the West Ridge nature, uh, nature preserve. So this is actually attached to Rose Hill cemetery and it's bordered by like, it's bordered by Western. I probably, it's not the cemetery. It's not like it's, there's a fence. You're not in the cemetery. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a park. Jacoby, I'm trying to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. He was like, yeah, the one that bordered the cemetery. I was like, there you go. There's the Simone part of it. But, but, okay, 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 okay. but listen, I'm going to listen, 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 listen. Okay, okay. So here's the thing, though. It has this, like, beautiful little pond and these, like, mm-hmm. I especially in the fall, in the autumn, it's got these gorgeous trees and the colors are just uh, amazing. I have taken some beautiful romantic photos. There's a little trail and some logs to sit on. You can get some elevation. The duck, like you're at the duck pond, um, and you cannot tell that a again you're bordering a cemetery or b that you're bordered on on Western Avenue. Like it definitely and like again because of that. No one's going to be there to bother you. I promise you. <laughs> no one is going to bother you on this walk and it's going to feel like it's yours. You know what I mean? It's going to feel super mm-hmm. personal. Um, my other thoughts on that were uh, the Montrose Point Bo- Bird Sanctuary. And then I was also going to say the South Shore Nature Preserve, uh, actually, mm-hmm. is another, like, again, just very intimate, very hidden. Like, you just f- feel like you're in a completely different world. See, my nature preserve borders a golf course and a private beach. Your nature preserve borders a cemetery. But and also the other nice thing I will say about South Shore, too, is like the cultural center, I would also say, is a pretty romantic spot. It is. You wanted to get some of the the architecture, you know, imagery or you wanted. I I just think that entire that entire area from the nature preserve, the beach to the cultural center. I want it to stay like it is now. Real vibey, real, uh, real low key. But I do want more people to know about it and to enjoy it. Um. Gee, my least, and I was thinking purely, like, obviously I could have said things like the 130th, uh, you know, over by the dump because it smells sure, bad. But I, sure. wanted, I picked places that I think that people, people actually will go. think are romantic. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think they're romantic. I still will go, though. Uh, Avondale Bowl and Replay Lincoln Park. <laughs> I also put the rink on this list, but I have a reason for those two. Because for me and mine, like, like, there's like sure these are nice date ideas but like we end up in this thing where not only is it super competitive but it's not asshole competitive like we are literally giving each other we're hyping each other up as much as we are interested in our own winning but that means like you know like when you like slap it like when you're doing handshakes you like slapping hands right after you start like those get harder as the game is going on i see see. it's like (laughs) too amped to be romantic i see exactly so you know i enjoy those dates but i i I would not classify them as romantic why is the rink on your list of of least romantic spots 
uh, that's more just in my experience. Uh, I am, you know, typically a better skater. And so somebody just like falling oh. on their ass for like an hour is not as romantic as you think. Even if it's like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to skate. It's like, yeah, you finna be falling. And then, and then if I fall, and then, you know, now we just falling. And, and the older you get, it hurts more. It was cute when, like, I was kids. But, like, now it's like, now it just hurts. And so, like, a skating date is always like a, oh, this, this could end up being a painful thing. Yeah. I think, so the first thing that came to mind when I thought least romantic spot was anywhere in Wrigleyville, I think. <laughs> and and this is not like if you're if if you're a big Cubs fan if you're nostalgic about any one of those bars that's in Wrigleyville if you're you know you're a big Metro person or this is not for you like obviously you have emotional attachments to that area but I this is like the last place I want to be that I think of when I think of romance like. It, <laughs> It's what just, about the music box theater, man? You go in there to see like a good, good show. I don't think of the Wrigley of the music box as being like true Wrigleyville. I guess I think I the music. Mean, I mean, I guess it's like yeah. There's still a lot of spots over there. There's still like Cubs parking over there. But like, I, I just am thinking like on Clark, like anywhere along Clark, uh, in that area. Mercury Theater is fire. Again, I get it. They're closer to Southport. The South, they're on Southport. So it's like a different, Mm -hmm. I think of it as, I mean, again, on game day, on game day, it maybe doesn't feel different, but like during the rest of the year, whereas I feel like Wrigleyville also outside the season is also not that great. Like it's also not really where I want to be. You don't think like a good Cubs game, you know, just like a good Sunday, two o'clock just out there, seventh inning stretch, doing the north side boogaloo, whatever no, the song is called. <laughs> no, I really, like, it's fun. It's a good time. Like, I, I love a beer and I love to get a hot dog and I love to watch the game and, like, whatever. But it's a big crowd and, like, it's loud. And I don't know. It's not romantic. That's not what I want when I'm looking for romance. <laughs> my other, My other thought was, like, I actually literally anywhere that's like tourist heavy, I think by definition can't be romantic in my opinion. Like I don't want to be at the Bean or in Millennium Park at the height of tourism season. Does that go for when you go on holiday too? Like if you, if like I'm if you, somewhere else, like yeah, if you somewhere else, you know, like, I'll be you know. honest. Like I, because like even like thinking <laughs> about like the the Eiffel Tower in Paris, I was like. I remember being there and like the crowds were so big and I was like, and everyone's taking their, their engagement photo. And I was like, God, everybody's doing the exact same. What like, about at the dip off spot? Like the, the, like across the street, down the street. That's okay. Like, like a bit a feet far afield from the attraction itself, I, I think is okay. But if you in it, 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 it ain't for you. You know what I, I'm I saying? Understand that. I, I, I just think, it. cause I don't know, like, I don't mind being romantic in public, but I, I don't know. There's a difference to me of like being in public and being with like tourists, you know? It feels like you're speaking also again to either in season or even off season sort of right around. Because before I went nature, when I was thinking about the temperature right now, I'm like inside of a good theater, Mm -hmm. a good performing arts center, watching dance or watching a good show. I'm like, that's a good, that's a good choice. I was thinking about like Violet Hour, like one of those restaurants that's just like really mm-hmm. cozy and the aviary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like those are great spots right now. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta track your season. 
my other thought too for most romantic is pretty much anywhere with steps. So I think the like muse- anywhere on museum campus, mm-hmm. like MSI, the MCA steps, the MCA steps, yeah. I, I really and while you're sitting there, go inside and upstairs because until February 25th, Faith Ringo's uh, exhibit is in there, and it is beautiful. It's so good. A lot of these spots uh, you might see come up again and um, potentially some disagreement with me on on Wrigleyville. Uh, in our <laughs> newsletter, Hey Chicago, uh, we have a segment running the, uh, today about uh, best engagement spots, um, which we got some help uh, with from a local photographer. Uh, so make sure you are subscribed at chicago.citycast.fm. You can also find it, uh, find, find that list and find those pictures uh, on our website. I want to give another thank you to our executive producer, Samal Aliseya. Thanks, Jacoby. Hey, I appreciate you making time. Before we let you go, I want to give you a heads up. The deadline to apply to run for a position on your local school council has been extended through tomorrow, February 14th. So go ahead and get those apps in. And if you're hearing this like Kobe, what do local school councils even do? I got you. Go back and listen to our episode from last week to learn what powers LSCs have. Find it and all our past episodes at chicago.citycast.fm. I know I was supposed to give you an explanation right there, but I kind of already explained it in another episode. So, you know, go on, check it out. I got some good news for you, too. Lunar New Year celebrations continue this weekend with two days and two parades. The Argyle Lunar New Year celebration kicks off Saturday in Uptown, and the Chinatown Parade is Sunday. For start times and routes, check the links in the show notes. And for neighborhood guides, I'm going to give you that website one more time, chicago.citycast.fm. Join me bright and early tomorrow. We talking about dumplings. Peace. Oh, I forgot to say my other... My other dark horse romantic spot. Which one? <laughs> Which is the Costco parking lot in Lincoln Park. You old okay, 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 okay. Listen though, listen though. Okay, this is, it's my stand-in for any spot in Chicago that you unexpectedly see the skyline. Because you know how there's mm, all these spots no. in Chicago? Because I'm not going to lie, there's this super rickety spot on the green line. it's like tumbling but if you look over the skyline looks perfect and right there's so many of these spots in chicago where like you don't like especially when you're like in the neighborhoods and you just like do not expect Mm -hmm. to see the skyline at all and then you look up and you're like oh my god it's so pretty and like i can imagine like (laughs) like a cute little costco date right and i have like someone helping me lifting all that heavy stuff and then oh look at the skyline look how cute it's so pretty (laughs) 